Hello there. Let me take you up in the world. Hello, Mr. Robertson. Welcome to Big Pharma. What floor would you like? Boardroom level, please. Of course. So, what are we doing in a lift to the boardroom? We're going up there to see if cybersecurity is being discussed. To see if security is something that's left for IT or a hot topic of discussion for the good people on the board. Join me, Joe Robertson, as I discover if responsibility for security has, in fact, moved up the hierarchical structure in Big Pharma. What changed in pharmaceutical companies for this to occur? How security should align to business plans? How to communicate with the board about security? And what advice our experts would give pharma CEOs on cybersecurity? Board level. Just as I imagined it. Well, maybe not. The truth is, it used to be that the moment someone started talking cybersecurity at board level, the room would fall silent. I think what I've seen is that security of the past definitely was fairly and squarely with the information technology organization. And it was very much seen as, you know, these are the guys that manage our information and data. These are the guys that need to take accountability for security for it. You know, then you Meet Simon. The, my name's Simon Roach, um, and I'm currently a consultant, and I consult on information technology issues and, and solutions in sort of pharmaceuticals and life sciences industry in particular. The guy you're listening to worked for GSK for years. You know, then you had the advent of the CISO as a concept, the chief information security officer. Um, And sometimes, you know, and in the past, they were part of the IT organization. And then more recently, they've been sort of taken out of IT. So there's a level of independence uh, where they can... Um, sort of take accountability for the whole information security agenda and hold IT to account um, for it, as well as other members of the uh, business uh, fraternity. And then what happened? As that's developed, I think you've then seen more and more the CEO and the board and the senior executive team take a greater interest and accountability uh, for security generally. As if their responsibility wasn't large enough. Isn't everyone on a big pharma board expected to know the ins and outs of cybersecurity? Everyone should understand on an executive level. For me, I'd like to introduce you to Jessica. So my name is Jessica Rich and I'm a vertical marketing manager at Fortinet. It's across the board. And each has their own vision, right? A CFO might be concerned of costs or, you know, everyone has a, a, a CMO might be concerned of the reputational or branding aspects of an attack yeah, so each person will have maybe their own separate concerns, but overall, you know, when a company gets attacked, it could be attacked from anywhere, right? So it's everyone's responsibility. If responsibility is moving up the org chart, albeit slowly, what has precipitated this move in big pharma? Has it been the explosion of big data across the pharmaceutical value chain? Maybe digital transformation? Or has that been slow too? Yeah, it's been many years. I mean, we're talking about two decades, and I think it isn't uh, much different than the rest of the life sciences or healthcare. And has this been right across the pharma landscape, manufacturing, other parts of the value chain? 
Yeah, great question. So when we talk about specifically the manufacturing side of it, you know, the OT side of the pharmaceutical value chain or, you know, process uh, that has been really lagging. Right. So, by the way, I should have mentioned the voice you're hearing belongs to Troy. Troy Amit. I'm a field chief information security officer over healthcare at Fortinet. When we talk about risk within operational technology and manufacturing within, you know, the pharmaceutical interesting, we're, we're actually most of the time talking about how far behind they are and how at risk those connected operational technology environments are because of how old they are. So to date, uh, we, we see the, you know, slow evolution, slow digitalization of, of those environments. With parts of the pharmaceutical value chain still playing catch up from a digital transformation perspective, that must also mean that these organizations are also playing catch up with security too, right? especially when you consider how digital transformation is enabling collaborations not only across their own business, but with third parties too. And I think pharmaceutical companies, they're on a journey in terms of how to really deal with that, particularly the differing levels of security, awareness and understanding and capability, you know, when they're doing um, partnerships and collaborations with Different organizations of different sizes. And so they've been, they've been on quite a journey. I think they are making progress. They, you know, to different extents sort of acknowledge and understand some of the complexities of the, those collaborative networks. But I don't think they fully cracked the, the security story yet. So they were slow and they're not there yet. But let's face it, digital transformation is a big job. It's easy to talk about, not nearly as easy to actually do especially for complex organizations like pharmaceutical companies. Maybe we should cut those folks in the boardroom a little slack. This is a really difficult discussion for boards, right? You know, when I talk to different board members of, of any organization within any industry, you know, the cyber portion and the security portion is very intimidating along with technology. You know, you take technology and that's intimidating enough. But then you you think about um, nation state actors, the value of private information. You know, you look at a pharmaceutical organization and and, you know, the significant amount of intellectual property that those organizations have. Have, whether it's how they're, you know, um, getting ahead of the competition from a uh, operational technology perspective and being more efficient uh, are all really challenging situations for organizations to hold on to that data and secure it. Right. But what's really important for an organization is to educate the board so that investments proactively, you know, at the management layer happen to protect that data before it's really, really too late. companies have modernized, matured, and become more digital, more opportunities have emerged. Technology offers so much in terms of how big pharma develops, manufactures, and distributes drugs, not to mention the enhancements it has enabled in the processes around all of this. We've mentioned this already, but while digital transformation has been enabling big pharma to develop, it's also opened out the risk landscape. So this offers a conundrum for our C-suiters. How do you continue to develop digitally, introduce new processes, and still protect them in a way that doesn't inhibit the very process you're trying to encourage, namely collaboration? Where you have collaborations between different pharmaceutical companies who are competitors, for example, um, and you have collaborations with other third parties, what you end up with is quite a 
sort of complex set of rules around, you know, so you've got a sort of a multi-dimensional problem, if you like, in terms of your data. And so you do need to ensure that some parties that you're doing business with that don't have the rights to see certain types of information cannot see it, whereas other parties where you have an, an agreed collaboration can see it. And sort of setting that up is hard enough but then maintaining it over time as you're generating new data and adding information to those data sets becomes, you know, an ongoing challenge. This ongoing challenge runs side by side with events like a pandemic that no one could predict. When such an event takes place, affecting not just the local area, but national territories, or hey, the entire globe, those who are responsible for security really need to step up and make sure that they're asking the right questions. While today, maybe the measures we've put in place are good on a temporary basis, are we doing enough as a long-term vision? Because we're probably going to see, you know, this work from home is going to be probably the new normal for the future. So have we taken the right precautions with, with respect to data access? So far, the complexity of the cybersecurity challenge at board level feels overwhelming. And then we need to consider something that we've discussed before in our other podcasts, something that underpins both Big Pharma's reputation and its security. The big issue with pharma historically, and even today, but they're changing that, is trust. How do you build trust? Well, to build trust, you need to be transparent. There needs to be ethical use of the data and security. These these three are all, for me, critical elements to building and maintaining trust, okay? And pharma really has to walk a very fine line between explaining what it's doing and protecting what it's doing. So trust has many aspects. There's public relations. They have to choose the appropriate businesses to work and collaborate with. They need to be sustainable. They need to ensure compliance to regulations. And there's a critical piece of it, and that's technology, right? Because what makes that technology work? Security. Security supports technology. And security, that's why I find security is often an overlooked aspect, but having good or the right security procedures in place, having that good cyber hygiene is the first step in establishing trust and then being able to explain what the security procedures is also another way of building trust. So where is it that Big Pharma needs to establish this trust? So, you know, First, it, it's uh, you know establishing the trust internally. This is Chris. He worked in the pharmaceutical industry for decades. Uh, Christopher Callahan, uh, Chief Information Security Officer of Weicker Companies. You know, within the companies, establishing trust with your vendors and partners, and, and the methods that you do for that as well, uh, and then even more so as you look to get trust in your uh, patients, in your healthcare delivery. Um, and then even when you look at, um, you know, connected medicine, uh, medical devices, it's building trust into those devices as well, into those systems. Um, and, and, you know, and the methods like certificates using trusted certificates, PKIs come into play. Uh, but that's really for the establishment of trust across uh, the whole value chain. Let's think this through for a moment. So far, we've understood that responsibility for cybersecurity has slowly migrated to the most senior level within Big Pharma, just at the point when the complexity of it, thanks to continuous development of digital technology, is growing. 
Add to that the fact that trust is becoming more and more important to the ever more knowledgeable customer. Wow. Hello, Mr. Robertson. Would you like to leave the boardroom floor? Thank you, but no, I don't think so. I want to know how all this works out. Okay. I guess it all boils down to the people on the board really understanding what's going on. The attack surface has exploded for pharma. So the risk is that, do they understand that, for example, IoT devices inherently don't have security built into it? Do they understand that different clouds, for example, are using um, different types of security policies or approaching security differently that, you know, it's not consistent? Do they understand that blockchain in and of itself, while more secure, it's considered a secure ledger, doesn't have control uh, or access built into it uh, and can be uh, basically um, crippled by DDoS attacks? Do they understand, for example, that their production sites are uh, vulnerable because in a manufacturing site, for example, we have these systems, they're called OT systems or, or industrial control systems. Now, these systems uh, used to be air-gapped or inherently protected because they weren't connected to the outside world. They weren't connected to the business world. But what's happening today is they're becoming more more connected to IT, to the business part you know, uh, of, of the company. And what's happening is that the attacks that are happening in IT are sort of infiltrating to this once secure and, and protected area, which, which is called OT. And so they are now vulnerable to the same attacks as IT. So do they understand this? Do they? I think in a way they do, but it, it's seeing all the connection and all the details and understanding that, you know, there's not just one way of looking at security or just look or, or not looking at security in parts or in clusters. Okay. So we need to consider security holistically. To think about it as a whole, we need to consider the overall impacts on the business and the risks to the business. And this is where we need to see the C-suite perform a carefully choreographed balancing act. How can Big Pharma maximize security while also driving an innovation agenda? So I think that's advice I would have to all CISOs is, is you know, one of their hardest jobs is is really staying ahead of what's next. Uh, that could be things like, you know, different clinical trial systems, right? Ensuring that they know what the next innovation across clinical trial systems are going to be and then how they would protect them so they don't lose visibility. Because one of the things that security teams can can be looked at as, you know, maybe an inhibitor of innovation is if they're constantly having to take months and months and months of figuring out how we're going to protect this versus staying ahead of of how they could in the future. Get it right, the business can prosper, especially when it comes to collaborations. If you can provide a way for a secure collaboration platform or environment or capability that allows those uh, experts to connect and to exchange information and ideas and data and, and what have you. That's, that's how you get innovation. That's how innovation happens. So, um, I think security and innovation, um, you know, can be, can be really good partners. If, if you get the security right, the innovation can flourish. If you don't get the security right, then actually 
the innovation flounders because you have issues that you have to deal with and resolve and you spend money and time and energy addressing those instead of innovating. And here's the thing. It's not just about enabling innovation. Big Pharma also needs to think about how security can enable sustainability and not just the environment. Sustainability for pharmaceutical companies certainly includes that, but it also goes way beyond. At a broader uh, corporation level, when we talk about sustainability, you know, there are really three main areas for sustainability. Let me introduce you to Barbara. My name is Barbara Megray. I'm the global head of uh, sustainability and CSR at Fortinet. She looks at this from a corporate social responsibility perspective. The first one is uh, environmental issues, of course. Then there's social and then there's governance. So everything that falls under governance, so being able to have strong business ethics, for instance, you know, comes as part of sustainability as a whole for a corporation. So that's why information security and privacy is seen today as a sustainability issue. That should be considered from a pharmaceutical perspective when it comes to sustainability is really the, the role of security in safety, in the broader safety issue. So when we say safety, it's, uh, it's patient safety, uh, it's product safety. So it's really safety at the manufacturing level. So the consequences, when you look at pharma manufacturing and R&D facilities, uh, they rely on technology to automate processes um, and um, disconnectivity make them more susceptible to attacks. I said earlier that the board needs to achieve a delicate balance with all these areas. As with all business, there's a certain amount of risk that will need to be accepted, especially when you begin to align security with business strategy. Here's Chris again. Marketing, finance, that all plays into what is that strategic direction, you know? And, you know, are there still elements of risk that are accepted? And the answer is yes. Um, you know, you, you still have to, you know, protect that revenue. You, you still have to really be accountable to the board of, of, of the business as a whole. So those decisions are made across the board. And, you know, again, at the end of the day, making sure as long as you have patient safety first, the rest can be uh, flexible, you know, in, in what decisions they make and what risk they accept. I really think it has to be a partnership across the line. So in a lot of organizations I've had, you know, we've had a risk management um, that is really bringing all of those risks to the table, educating the board, documenting those risks to the board, to the executive leadership team. And, and then it's a business decision, right? So the organization can decide, okay, we need to invest, you know, you know, maybe the, maybe the challenge is a hundred million dollars. Well, for the organization, there might be five or 10 of those different scenarios that they need to mitigate, whether they're facilities, whether that's competition, that type of thing. Um, so it's all about how much risk tolerance do we have and how much are we going to accept? You know, at the end of the day, the CEO owns, they really own the, you know, the business side of it. I think where some CISOs fail or CIOs fail is, is not providing great visibility into what the risks are. And I think the partnership with enterprise risk management is really the, the success you know, factor in that. So senior execs are very attuned to the concepts of risk. 
And they know that, of course, the you know, risk is a multifactored thing. And so just hitting them with scare stories, you know, maybe from other industries, maybe from, um, you know, even the same industry, without that sort of sophistication of thinking about the concept of risk and, and bringing that into the investment argument, um, I just don't think, you know, will resonate because, as, as I say, I think, I think what they really need is to be educated on the particular risk that we're trying to address and how the actions taken, the investment necessary will reduce that risk. I think the fundamental argument they want to make is that you're reducing risk on these key sets of information that the business will know have an inherent risk profile, like pre-patent IP, like your portfolio, for example. What I've seen also help is the fact that external auditors, as they look at financial systems and they look at risk associated with security of financial systems, you can also ride on the back of some of those examples and put together that sort of package of how you're going to reduce risk against these information sets over a period of time, such that, you know, the organization is really managing the risk profile. It feels like to convey the serious issues of security, you need to formulate a strong and compelling story that will really resonate with all the board members from their points of view. Yeah, I think that's the the best thing you can do. Obviously, you can't build scenarios for everything. But I think if you've got a significant threat to an operational technology environment and you can build out that story so they understand if this happens, if we have a breach around this area, this amount of data, this amount of production will be affected and then and then build that back, you know, from a cost perspective so that they have it. Uh, that that really can take a lot of a weight off the shoulders of a CISO, just like it could take a lot of weight off the uh, uh, shoulders of a facilities, you know, vice president, right? Um, facilities vice presidents ch- are challenged by some of the same things, right? They're just not cyber. It could be the the age and um, of a of a facility, and if you know something were to happen to that facility. Uh, whether it was a fire, whether it was a storm uh, and bring down the business, um, you know, I think that's that's the best way that I've seen success in educating the board is putting it in terms that they understand dollars and cents, rep, brand reputational risk. Dealing with the board, you really have to understand each board member. What are their strengths and weaknesses? And, you know, find that one board member that is the best to you know, have your one-on-one as with, don't go to the the board and just say, I want this, I want that. It's what you want is strategic and at the right time, for what you need to support that strategy. And if you can convey that to that uh, board member and not t- talk IT speak and not talk with all the acronyms uh, and you can make your, your message short and sweet, uh, you'll get a lot more support in, in what you want to accomplish. Regardless of how well you know the board, how well you understand their needs, and how well you can tell a good story. Fundamentally, it all comes down to sharing the right information. You know, one thing that I've always kind of hung my hat on is just really strong governance and providing great, you know, transparency into the program, being straight and honest about, you know, where we're at from a compliance perspective. I think that's the the best thing as a, as a CISO or a CIO that you can be doing is, is making sure that they have all the information that you have. And then it's a really interesting 
uh, balance, right? You provide them the information, you you gauge the risk. So maybe an organization has a really uh, challenging situation around vulnerability management or older operational technology environments. And then you need to assign a risk to that, you know, and I think partnering with enterprise risk management uh, portions of organizations so that they can independently score that risk and provide that visibility to the board so that they know that, you know, if this level of breach happens to this operating um, OT environment, our production could be down for six weeks. So we've learned that in the pharmaceutical industry, responsibility for cybersecurity is resting more and more with the board of directors. And we've explored how they understand risk and then the best ways to communicate the security story to them. But what about the rest of the business? How do you get to tell the security story to the people further down the hierarchy? Here's Barbara again. The way you have to drive the cybersecurity culture is really in terms of educating, but also training you know, your employees on best security practices. Because at the end of the day, cybersecurity is everyone's responsibility within uh, the organization. Uh, a cyber attack may enter through application or uh, software vulnerabilities, but it many times, you know, it comes through the misbehavior of an employee. So it's really paramount to drive that cybersecurity culture within the organization by really educating and training employees. Cybersecurity isn't just about technology. It's also about people. And both are complex. Yes, business risks can be huge, but with a cogent cybersecurity strategy, they can be mitigated against. More importantly, they can be explained through relevant and resonant storytelling, packed not with fear, but with the right information at the right time for the issues at hand. Board members and top executives may not always be technically savvy, but they are all intelligent, or they wouldn't be there in the first place. A clearly articulated story laying out the relevant business risks and mitigation strategies will always be listened to. And it's time to head back to the canteen. But before we do, what advice would we give the CEO? Now, I've seen a lot of organizations, their highest risk threshold, their highest risk scored within their organization is cybersecurity. And sometimes that's really hard for a CEO to think about, right? Because they're thinking about, you know, innovation risk. Uh, they're thinking about facility risk, financial risk, that type of thing. But when when you look at the risk scoring and what a breach could do to a brand or otherwise, you know, it comes in millions and millions of dollars, right? So, you know, the, the advice I give is is to have a strong enterprise risk management dashboard and to have a, what I would say, an independent group scoring that risk, measuring that risk for all risk within the organization to give that CEO a really good visualization of where my risk is coming from and what I want to do to mitigate that risk. You never want it to be a surprise when there's when there's a breach and, and find out, gosh, I didn't know this was going to be that big of impact to our organization. I did not know that that was going to shut down our production facility for eight weeks. And we're going to have a 30% reduction in revenue for the year. Hello again, Mr. Robertson. Time for something to eat? Not the executive dining room. The staff canteen, please. Thank you for listening. 
I'd invite you to also listen to our other podcasts about connected medicine and about how security can enable the value chain of big pharma. I believe you'll find they're worth your time. For now, I'd like to thank Barbara, Jessica, Simon, Chris, and Troy for their contributions to this podcast, as well as our lift operator, of course. Thank you, Mr. Robertson, or may I call you Joe? My name is Joe Robertson, and this podcast has been brought to you by Fortinet. <laughs>